When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I interview Gasper Randazzo. He's a New York City high school teacher, as well as a nationally touring stand-up comedian that you probably have seen all over Instagram. He uses his love of comedy inside of the classroom and also uses his love of teaching and his comedy Listen in as we talk all about the ways that he uses humor in his classroom to engage his students and his stand-up comedy career. Hi, Gasper. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Dabby. How's everything? Good. I have been following you on Instagram for a while just because you're very funny and I like following people who I feel like do a really good mixture of humor without being too negative because sometimes the negative gets in my head even though I'm no longer in the teaching profession it still can be overwhelming and I feel like you've done a really good balance of both and I'd love to talk a little bit about that but going into just wanting to hear a little bit about you if the audience has never heard of you before um did you want to share a little bit about your history and education and where they may uh, know you from so I mean you may know me if you were ever in a New York City classroom so not that I've been in them all, but I've been in a lot of them. So I'm I'm in my 13th year of teaching. I live in Staten Island. Well, I'm going into my 13th year of teaching right now. Or am I? No, I am. I am. I don't want to be, but I am. I love teaching. I, and I pretend and I joke about online that I don't like it. But in reality, I do love it. I, I teach uh, high school history. I have a special ed license. I teach gen ed, special ed. I teach everything. And I, I do love it. I love the profession of teaching, but I also know that there's a lot of flaws in it. I, and it's not necessarily, I just like making fun of the flaws that we all see and recognize, but we just, no one ever wants to talk about them. So I'm not going to like sit up there and be like, oh, this is, you know, I'm going to talk about quitting because I hate it. I don't hate it. I actually like going to work, mainly to film videos, but I like going to work you know, because I enjoy it. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy hanging out with the kids. It's a fun thing for me. And then you also do podcasts and other things outside of teaching and stand-up comedy as well. Teaching's not like my whole identity. 
I'm a teacher. Sure. Just like a firefighter is a firefighter. He's not, you know, he doesn't live, breed, eat, firefight. Like, you know, you don't, I'm not one of those teachers. I'm not coming home and bringing my bag home with me and like redecorating my classroom at home. And then like, transferring that to the room the next day like i'm not doing that my when i leave teaching that's when i leave i leave my job just like if you worked any other job you'd leave your job at night i leave my job because when i go home i have a whole life i have two kids i have a six and a three-year-old i'm married my wife runs a jewelry business called true warrior jewelry we're busy it's not like i just come home and i'm like okay well now i'm gonna think about teachers pay teachers and lesson plans i don't care honestly like i like teaching but to a degree I also like feeding my children and making dinner for them at night because they need to eat and reading books with them and doing all the dad stuff. Also, I run a podcast called the Social Studies Podcast with Joe Dombrowski. Some of you might know him, Mr. D. I know he's been on here before. We have a podcast together where we co-host. So we record episodes at night. So by the time I get home, feed my, you know, cook dinner, bathe my kids, put the kids to bed. Then we record the episode, you know, it's long, long days. And then on the weekends, I do stand-up comedy. So I've been touring the country. I've been doing shows all over, doing stand-up. And it's been a really cool experience, really great ride. And majority of my audience is teachers. It's, you know, like 90%, probably more teachers. And it's cool because like, it's almost like a professional development, but like people want to be there. And they all come and like, I joke and I talk about teaching. I talk about my kids. I talk about everything. But then like after the show, it becomes like this like kumbaya venting session where all the teachers, you know, when you get a room of teachers together, they can't shut up about teaching. So, you know, then it's just cool. It's a, it's like a nice experience for everybody. I think, I mean, I don't know. I have a good time. Yeah, we'll go into your comedy career in a little bit. Let's go into what your actual day-to-day role looks like as a high school teacher because you've found a method of teaching that has helped you engage the students but also make learning fun and teaching fun for you, which is incorporating humor into your lessons. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you do that and how you approach it? I teach high school, so I can't, you know, come in and it's not the same. It's not elementary school where the kids are excited to be there. High school is a whole different ball game. Like if kids don't want to come, they just don't come. Like that's just how it is. It's high school is different. So I try to make it fun. And the kids, I mean, not trying to toot my own horn, but the kids like being in my class. They like me. They, you know, we have a good time together. And so what I do to like make it fun is I dress up like whatever I'm teaching. So because I teach history. So for example, if I'm teaching Julius Caesar, I'll dress up in a toga and come in as Julius Caesar. Like I try to make it fun and we play music like, and I joke with them and I treat them like people because a lot of teachers are like, walk in, that's what we do. That's not me. That's not me as a person. So I'm never going to tell these kids like, come in, this is the routine, sit down, shut up. Like, that's not me. I want class to be fun. I want it to be a safe space. I want to be nice to these kids because you don't know that kid, you you say good morning to a kid, you might be the only person in his whole day that talks to him nicely because you don't know what goes on in their houses. You don't know what goes on in their real lives. So I just try to be super nice to the kids and be like the teacher that I wished I had when I was young. Because when I was young, I had one teacher that was like that. And she was like, yeah, I'm a teacher, but I'm also a person first. So if you guys need something, if something's going on in your lives, talk to me. And I did. Like my mom had a brain aneurysm when I was a kid, when I was in high school. 
you know, she had a, like 50-50 chance of survival, basically. And like I had a teacher and she just said, I don't care if you know how to write an essay in English. Like this is more important in your life right now, being there for your family. So I'll help you. We'll figure it out, all the other stuff. But I never had a teacher do that. You know, like before that, it was just like, this is the work. Oh, you got stuff going on? Oh, well. Like, get your work done. So I just said to myself, I wanted to be that teacher for people. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that so many teachers go into this profession because they had a teacher like that, that really touched them and really changed, like, the trajectory of who they were as a human. Being able to see how much that impacted them made them want to do it in return. And then it's also part of the reason why this career is so emotionally exhausting is because you have so many people who are like coming down, asking you to do so many things on top of the fact that you're buying coats for students that might not have coats or you're worrying about what's happening to them the second the bell rings or you're dealing with really big traumatic issues in students' lives. But at the same time, you're supposed to be teaching, you know, 10 different lessons a day and grading all those papers and answering all the emails. You're also dealing with stuff in your own life. I mean, like I'm married. I got two kids. Like life's not perfect. You know what I mean? So you're also going to work every day with all that crap in your own mind. And then you got to deal with their crap. And it's just like it piles up. And then it's, you know, you go home and you just spent the whole day dealing with all their stuff. Now you got to go home and deal with reality and the real world stuff of your house. You know, it's just it's rough. It's not easy. Yeah. And so how do you find a transition? Because when you are integrating humor in the classroom and high school students are totally different than what I taught. I taught fifth grade and I could make them laugh, but the fifth graders are like an easy audience. So, you know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I do too. Butt jokes and fart jokes. and <laughs> I mean, I I didn't do the butt jokes or the fart jokes, but I could make them laugh. But then there's this transition from hey, no, for real, this is serious time and you have to pay attention to me. Do you ever have a struggle with balancing both the very fun times and then also that no, for reals, like pay attention to me and don't talk back times? Uh, that's probably my biggest challenge in all my years of teaching is I'm always in fun mode. Like I don't know how to turn that off. So then when I have to turn it off, it, which is good because when I have to turn it off, the kids are like, oh, shoot, like he must really like he's being serious right now. So like this must actually be important that we need to focus on it. But it is hard because when you allow that leash to be so long of fun and then you say, oh, no, no, no actually, also, we're going to be serious, too. Kids are kind of like, wait, whoa, whoa, this isn't fun. And then but then I tell them, like, I could have been like this all year. I go, I'm asking you for one day. And they they pretty much respect that. Like, I'm very open with them. I say, I don't care what you do outside this class. I don't care who you hang out with, what you do. And I make that very clear on the first day. And they're pretty receptive of that. And and they kind of have my back, which is nice. Yeah, I feel like with me, there were a couple moments where like the most mature I have ever been was not laughing when I was trying to be serious and a kid actually cracked like a really good joke at my expense where I wanted to be like high five like that was good like there this legend I will never forget him can't say his name on air but you know I was hey everyone it's time to put all of these toys away 
I only have a couple of moments to ask you guys to do this. No for reals. Listen, everyone put those balls away. Everyone grabbed the balls and put the balls away. And he just like at the right perfect moment said like, that's what she said. Or like, do like I said, like everybody grabbed the balls and he's like, that's what she said. And I just was like wrecked having to be super straight like faced like in high school we could laugh at that with them like it's okay like no one's really gonna get mad i had the kids on christmas we were like playing this game i actually started on tiktok and i was like oh, i should do it with my students which i regretted instantly because my students aren't like a perfect midwestern classroom on tiktok but um i was like oh let me play this so i gave uh i said what do you think i would want for christmas write it down anonymously like what you think I would want. And the, the first kid, the first M paper I got back, I'm opening the first paper I got back said, for Christmas, Mr. Andazza would want a new hairline. And I was like, damn, that was good. <laughs> like I laughed, the kids laughed. Like, But that's the thing in high school. I, well, then I was like, all right, I hate this game. I threw all the papers out because I didn't want to hear anymore. But in high school, like you're allowed that freedom because you have to also keep in mind, the kids are older. Like I teach seniors. So they're 17, 18 years old. So in reality, I mean, I like to pretend they're almost my age, but I am 34 now. So, but I, when I started teaching, I was 22 years old. I was teaching 18 year olds. Like how crazy that is. Thinking back, I'm like, wait, we could like hang out. Like I could like see you in the real world when I go out. It's so bizarre teaching high school. I never thought about that. I've only worked at elementary school. I only did fifth grade. And my biggest concern with ever doing an older grade was fifth grade was like perfect for me because they have some autonomy. They're able to like be responsible, take care of themselves. It's not as dangerous as little kids where I would need to be like on top of it all the time. But also their insults don't hurt as much. Like even when they're really legitimately mad at you, it's still like like their their brain hasn't formed all the way to really understand what hurts your feelings. And I have junior high and high school teachers who have told me like, oh, they know exactly what my insecurity is, something that my loved ones probably wouldn't have figured out. They have it and they call me out on it and I have to try not to cry in class. Yeah, I mean, high school, like they can, like once I was like, I wasn't sad. I just like walked into the classroom and I was like, blah. And this girl goes, damn, Mr. Andaz looking like his wife just left him. But I was like, why? You know, like, but that stuff they say, or she was like, oh man, you look like your kids hate you. But like, it was like funny stuff. But like, I laugh because I really don't. The thing is like, I dish it out. So I have to be able to take it, you know? So like, I'm okay with them saying that stuff. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Like some teachers will be like, oh, well, you should never let a kid talk to you like that. Also, there's that level of comfort that they know I'm not, like I would have never, I would have actually probably not said that, but I would have joked, I joked more with teachers I liked than teachers that I was scared of. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even make a, I wouldn't even smile at them. I'm not a believer in the whole don't smile till Christmas. Like I come in smiling on day one. Like if, I, if I'm not showing you that I like them and want to be there, why would you want to even be there? And I see both sides. I've heard people say that, but I don't. Do people actually implement that? It just seems like a miserable place to be or like. I know a lot of teachers who are like, you don't show your personality till halfway through the year. Otherwise, the kids will take advantage. I'm like, they hate you for the first half of the year. 
Why the hell would I want anyone, yet alone people that I spend more time, I spend more time during the school year with my students than my kids when you think about it. You know what I mean? I'm with them eight hours. My kids are only, I'm up, I'm with them for 30 minutes in the morning and then three hours after school before they go to bed. And, you know, I'm not a teaching expert. I did not last very long in the classroom. I was only in the classroom for three years. So I'm not going to necessarily judge other people's approaches, but I can only speak to myself. And what I really struggle with is I can tell when I start things on a negative note like that, when I know a student has a reputation or is potentially going to be a problem, quote unquote, problem student, I go in with an attitude of seeking to figure out what they're doing wrong at all times. That's just something that I personally know I struggle with is I'm like that person that get and I have ADHD, (laughs) which is just recently diagnosed. But like I remember in the classroom feeling super tense and being like waiting to hear a whisper and like waiting to catch something going wrong if I was in a bad mood and like if I was looking for something you're always going to find it. Like if you're looking for an issue and I feel like someone going into the classroom and saying, don't let your guard down, don't enjoy this, don't have fun, is going to like make you that tense person who's just like constantly looking for the issue. Yeah. I mean, and like for me, I'm just not that as a person, period. Like I've only been mad like two times my whole life. So like I just, it's not in my nature to be mad. So like, how am I going to come in there, be serious, stare at these kids? When I got hired for my job as a teacher in the school I'm in, I literally, at one point in the interview, we were talking about something. Abraham Lincoln came up and I was like, I have a tattoo of Abraham Lincoln. They were like, really? And I was like, yeah, it's on my leg. I got on the chair and pulled my pants up to show them the tattoo. So like, obviously I don't take anything that serious in my life. So like, I can't go in and fake this whole seriousness on them. It's just not me. Yeah. And that, I mean, everybody comes in with a different personality too. Some people are just very serious people. Yeah. And that's fine. And it's not, I'm not knocking those people. It's just not me. Like it would just couldn't be me. Yeah. I think just going in with the attitude of like, I don't want them to like me period until this certain date. Is that like, I'm looking for something bad to happen. I'm looking for, misbehaviors or mistrust. And I know myself. And when I go into situations like, oh, I'm waiting for this person to be a punk. <laughs> like I'm like in my adult life, like you have that friend that always like pisses you off and you're like, oh, I'm waiting for this person to say something dumb. And so I can get upset. And then you're just grasping at straws waiting for it. And especially in the teacher world, because how many times it's like, oh, Daphne, let me just let you know. Uh, so Joe is really a bad kid. So get ready for him because he's going to suck. And then it's like in your mind, you're like, you suck. Dad, show me you suck. I'm waiting for it. So like I kind of try to listen. I'd be lying if I was like, oh, uh, rose colored goggles. I and every kid is some kids like you're like, oh, you have a bad reputation for a reason. And I'm not going to be trying to find out why like i've been doing this long enough to know that some kids just don't want to be fixed all right maybe not in fifth grade you still have a shot but like 17 18 years old you kind of are what you are i mean not always there are people who change absolutely but your perception of things change you get jaded over time 
Like I've been in, I feel like I've been in the classroom a decently long time, you know? I think that there's some reason to say, hey, this may happen. And here are the few strategies I've seen that have worked. Let me ho- let me hook you up with a couple strategies that I've seen have worked. When this kid becomes like this, this can actually make it better. Like that's that's a lot better than, hey, by the way, good luck next year. These these people. But you know that's what is said. That's like the mo. It's oh shoot, you got him. Oh, well, you'll see. It's like oh shit, I guess I'll see. This sucks. <laughs> so. One big question that I have, because I personally, the reason why I left the classroom was I could probably list like 10 big reasons, but ultimately the last year when I was just really hardcore mentally struggling and just having a a very difficult time with being overworked and some mental health issues, I had a group of parents that had identified me and decided that I was, you know, too young to teach, thank you, but too young to teach their gifted and talented students and not qualified. And then looking for every reason to dislike me, social media threads, whatever they could do to make me feel unwelcome in this school and to try and get me in trouble. And it just completely broke me where I was like, I don't like this career anymore. I can imagine with a social media presence, with a podcast where you speak your mind, And with maybe an unconventional teaching style, you may have had some challenges with parents in the past. And I'm wondering how you approach those challenges. And if you tell me no, then I know you're lying. You're not going to believe me. All right. So here's where I think I get a little lucky. I never post videos negatively talking about students. Okay. So that's the first thing. I never curse in my videos. I'm never openly like, I, you know, I'm going to make fun of kids. I don't I actually don't make fun of kids. I make fun of teachers. I make fun of the system as a whole. So like, I'm never like, oh, hey guys, I just graded all these papers and I gave everybody an F because I feel like it. So like, they don't really have a lot of ammunition to like come at me. Sure. They can listen to the podcast and say, oh, you speak your mind, but listen, we have editors too. You know what I mean? So like when things are a little dicey we make sure that we listen to it then joe listens then my mom listens and joe's mom listens we round table like how can this be perceived i think we're in the clear (laughs) okay cool so like we you know we're smart about that because at the end of the day and i hate using this but like you do become a public figure. If you're on the internet, you're online, you're, I'm doing shows, I'm around the country and it's hard. The, I actually get the most like crap from my students because they all see that I'm on social media. And so like a lot of them will be like, oh, mister, like how was Austin, Texas this week? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, you didn't do a show in Austin, Texas this weekend. I'm like, nope, not me. I was like, I was home reading IEPs and they're like, yeah, you didn't do a show in Austin. Then they like pull up my photo of me like in Austin, Texas, like underneath the sign that says Austin, Texas. And I'm like, wow, that's AI is getting really good, guys. Like, that's crazy. And like, but they laugh. So, but for them, it's also kind of cool because I remember when I was a kid, teachers are like mythical creatures, you know? We didn't know where they resided to at the end of the day. So for my students, it's kind of weird because they have like this weird like inside look at my life because I'll you know leave work and then post like 
oh, something funny is going on at the supermarket. And I post about it. So they're like, oh, did, how was key? You know, how was the supermarket yesterday? Did you get those avocados you were talking about? Like, and it's like kind of like this weird dynamic, but I don't really have anything to hide. Like, I'm not drinking on there. I'm not smoking. I'm not doing anything that's like, oh, you're a bad example for the kids. Like, what am I doing? You know, I'm living a normal life. Like, I go home, I pick up my kids after school. Like, so, oh, I'm getting real crazy. I'm not in a, but if I'm at a comedy club performing, I'm at work. Would you call up and say, oh, your teacher's tutoring after school? No, it's my job. I, I, it's just another job. Just like some people tutor, some people do. I do comedy. I make money. Therefore, it's a job. I pay taxes on it. You know what I mean? So like, you really can't tell me I can't do that because I'm not, I'm not missing work. To, that's another thing. I'm very careful. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing shows on days where I have work. And if I am, I'm going to work that day and, I'm, and I'll figure out because that's how you could start getting yourself in trouble. When I call out on a Friday, but then I'm in Austin, Texas Friday night, because then someone could say, well, you clearly went and did a show, but I don't do that. So like, what could you say? Yeah. And I was like, you answered a question that I had written down. That was basically like, do you have guidelines of what you will and won't say? And it sounds like the majority of what you do is protect stories about your students. You respect like those aren't your stories to necessarily tell and they can. Well, I don't ever, if you watch myself, I never, ever tell student stories. I just make fun of teachers. I make fun of myself burnout, overwhelm, and PDs. Yeah, like I make fun of myself. So you want to be mad at me for making fun of myself? Okay, I'm sorry that I'm offending you by making fun of myself. Like, so, but uh, listen, I understand that with anything, you could always find fault in something. With any profession at all, I could go through anyone's Instagrams, find something that makes them out to be the bad guy, find something that makes them to be a hero. You put what you want online. You paint the picture. You create it. You know what I mean? So I'm very careful. Yes, do I post a lot of stuff, but I'm very careful and strategic in what I post to make sure I'm not going to get myself in trouble. I am curious how you even manage to balance one of these side projects with a full-time teaching career, let alone like a podcast in itself is almost a full-time job. I can speak from experience. Uh, Instagram, social media presence where you're creating content can almost be a full-time job of thinking of ideas, creating it, responding to DMs, responding to comments, all of that. And then managing a tour going on a tour. Also, you have children, you have a relationship and a job that on top of that, how have you figured out a way or a system to do all of it? I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> it's hard. Listen, my wife and I are a very good team. We work very well together. We have a great balance for sure. And you have to, obviously, you know, it sucks. There's days where you sacrifice. So as I tell everybody, because that's a big question online a lot, is how do you do all this stuff? Like, because I'm not like a hang out with my kids for 10 minutes kind of dad. I leave work on an average day. I leave work, right? I get home from work. I pick up my kids. We go home. My wife is a school social worker. My wife goes home. My wife starts doing her jewelry business because she works after work. 
And so she'll do our jewelry business. I'll make dinner for the kids and her. Well, I'll make dinner for us, the family. Then she'll come up from working. We'll all eat as a family. Then she'll bathe one kid. I'll bathe the other kid. Then we like relax a little, watch some TV. Then I put one kid to bed. She puts the other kid to bed. And it usually rotates one night. I'll put my daughter one night, I'll put my son, whatever. But now I will say my son's getting older. So it's a little easier because he's like, I'm just going to go in my room and lay down. And I'm like, yes, that sounds wonderful. Please. That is an awesome idea. <laughs> if I don't have to be in there for an hour, you know, but uh, so it's a lot. But then I they go to bed. Then I always say like, when my kids go to bed, my real life starts because then they go to bed at at 8.30. Then I come down, I film the podcast. Now I'm lucky that my podcast is with like my best friend. So it's not this whole process of like, oh, it's work. We talk. I was just on the phone with him for an hour driving. So we were like, shit, we should have just recorded this and made this the podcast episode because we are close and that's real. So it's it's a lot. It's, It's a lot of juggling a lot of balancing. And then on the weekends, it's hard because I don't tour and do as much as I want because I want to be at my son's baseball games. I want to be at my daughter's dance recitals because you're, I'm never going to get that back. And they're only going to be young once and I'm not having any more kids. So I even told my wife, I said, if something happens to you or we get divorced, I said, if I meet someone and she wants kids, it's over. She's like, why are you even telling me this? I'm like, well, I'm just letting you know. These are my only two forever. So it's a lot. But like I say with everything and I, like I've witnessed with my wife, if you want to do something, you make it work. And that means you put in the time, you put in the effort, the energy, and it's exhausting. And there are times where I don't want to record. So this more, so just to put into perspective, it's, we're filming, it's the summer. I'm sorry, we're batching. No, it's okay. They know at this point, they know I'm pregnant. They know that I'm doing things ahead of time. So we're filming this episode in the summer. So just to put into perspective, yesterday, I picked my kids up from camp, dropped them off home. My wife was waiting for them. Then I drove to Connecticut. I live in New York. It's about a two and a half hour ride. Did a show, stayed after the show, met every single person in the audience, left at midnight, got home at about two in the morning, woke up at eight in the morning because I did a show. I'm doing a show, but it'll have been done at a baseball stadium this summer at a Staten Island, like a minor league baseball team is having me perform in their stadium. So I went to the stadium at eight in the morning to film promo for it. So they gave me unlimited access to the stadium. They literally gave me the keys and were like, have fun. So I filmed in the weight room, in the dugouts, on the field, in the stands. I filmed all this stuff. And so I filmed from eight to 11. Then I got in my car and sped home so that I could jump on this. And then I'm going to go pick up my kids from camp when this is over. You know what I mean? It's just the juggling act. And I'll pick up my kids from camp and then we'll do our normal nighttime stuff. And then I'm going on a date with my wife tonight because we haven't gone out, me and her, in like three months. So we're going out tonight. And my eyes are like bleeding from being tired. But this, you know, these are the sacrifices you do if you want to make your life work. I mean, we definitely appreciate you being here. No, no, I wasn't saying it to feel bad for me. No, I I know. (laughs) No, I mean, I I definitely am 
hardcore on the struggle bus right now, back to back, working on things, trying to make sure that everything's done. But I am also not juggling the kids yet or juggling a full-time job. It's the kids that ruin everything (laughs) in the best way possible. Telling hormonal pregnant with twins woman that right now (laughs) is probably not the best idea. Listen, all I'll tell you, this is my parenting advice now, and everyone's going to give you parenting advice and it's going to suck. And you're going to just, okay, cool. Thank you so much. This is my parenting advice. Don't listen to anyone else's parenting advice because you're going to figure it out on your own because every kid is different and everybody works different. And how you and your husband are going to deal with things is not how Jane and John would have dealt with it. So you can't go by anybody's advice. So whatever people tell you, just smile, nod, and then forget about it because it's irrelevant because everyone's going to tell you how to raise your kids. But in reality, you'll figure it out. The cavemen figured it out. You'll figure it out. I mean, you know, you'll have two of them. So you you got two chances. (laughs) (laughs) I had my, I was going to a fertility acupuncturist who was amazing and her, her, best thing that she's told me so far was when she had her first she said the emotions were too big they were they were too scary how attached she was to her first child and then once she had her second child she's like oh i chilled out a little bit the stakes weren't like obviously the stakes are high you love your children but she's like once there's two you realize there's too much going on for you to have that intense amount of like focus on one she's like you might she's like you might be normal Knowing me, probably I won't be normal. I'll be just double crazy, but we'll figure it out. But I can see that because like how we treated my son growing up versus my daughter, who's younger, it's a whole different world. Like my daughter's so much more independent, tougher, just, I mean, second kid. I don't know. I don't know how it works with twins. I don't either. So we'll, we'll figure it out. There's no real playbook on parenting. Even though there's those books, they're not real because like, sure, Okay, cool. The book tells you what to do, but you're not living in it. You're just reading a book when, you know, it's like uh, the people who never were in the classroom who tell us how to teach, you know, not to say the people who write those books, most of them are parents, I'm sure. But when you're in the moment and it's three o'clock in the morning and your kid just vomited and you're like, oh God. And then like, you know, the book's like, well, don't ever let them sleep in the bed with you. That starts a bad habit. Like, you know what? I'm not washing sheets at three in the morning. So they are sleeping in the bed. Oh, well. And and it all works out, you know? I know we're going kind of on a more personal Sorry. side. I ha- No, don't apologize. I'm just going to get personal with you and ask you a question. Oh, yeah. You could get personal with me. I don't care. There are so many teachers in this audience who are thinking of leaving the classroom or... They are doing some sort of side hustle, um, whether it's creating things on Teachers Pay Teachers or they have their own Etsy shop or a side business of some sort. And what I'm curious with you is, is there a point when you start to be successful enough in one or the other career where you just give up one or the other? Like, do you have that figured out in your brain of, when do I have to leave teaching because it's just not sustainable or it's holding back my comedy career? Or when do I give up on comedy and just go 100% on teaching? And that's, you know, not my business. <laughs> no one wants to do that. But okay, well, you made a face, so I figured out which direction was more aligned with your thoughts. It's twofold, okay? There are numbers that I have, right? That 
Cause it's like, I turn down jobs a lot now and it sucks because like someone said, can you do this? And I'm like, I want to do it financially. I definitely want to do it, but I don't want to piss off my school and I don't want to do this and that. But on the other side, teaching is a, and this is a cop-out answer because I'm sure everybody who's sitting at home on the fence is saying this same answer, but like teaching, whether the pay is great or not, which we know it's not great, but it's livable. People can live on a teacher's salary, right? So it's consistent, right? And that's stable. There you go. That's the word. It's stable and having something that's stable, right? So like, look at people during COVID, people just lost their jobs and that was it, but not teachers. Like we got paid through it. We're not really going anywhere. Like teachers aren't going anywhere. We will always pretty much have a job as long as you want to have a job. So I have a mortgage. I have two kids. I have, you know, cars that we pay for. Like, so it's like, yes, comedy is great. The money is very good. I'm not going to lie to you and be like, it's not, the money's better than teaching, but what comedy isn't is stable. So all it takes is one day where people are like, actually, we hate this guy. And now all of a sudden I'm hated and I don't have a career anymore. And whereas in teaching, they could hate me all they want. I'm in a union. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. So you know, like there's that safety net of being a teacher. But like you said, it's now costing me money to be a teacher in some ways. So devil's advocate here. Yeah, please do. Diving into your business. What would it look like if you tried to create some sort of safety net, not telling you to do it tomorrow as we're recording this in late July? I know you guys are listening and you're like, it's already the middle of the school year. Why are you telling him this? What if you left your position for a year with the intention of substitute teaching as much as humanly possible to see what happens that year. That's on the agenda. We'll just leave it at that. I like being home. I like being with my kids. I like being with my family, right? And whereas in comedy, that's not really the world where you're home that much. Like you're on the road a lot. And people don't realize, number one, being the road, sure, it's fun. The hour that you're performing is fun. The hour in the club when you're hanging out with the other comedians is fun. The hour after where you hang out with the fans or, you know, the people who are there is fun. But guess what? That's three out of 24 hours. I sleep for six because I don't sleep long. That's So that's nine hours we got, right? That means the other, you know, 15 hours, the other 15 hours, it's boring. Like you're alone. And like my wife's like, oh, you must love it. You must like, no, I would love it if I was single maybe. But like, I'm married. Like, where am I going? What am I doing? I can't just walk up to a group of people and be like, hey, you guys want to hang out? Cool. Tell me where. Let's meet up. Like, it doesn't really work when you're by yourself in the middle of nowhere and then you're just meeting up with random people. It's not really a good look. (laughs) So I was working for, I can say it on air since I'm no longer part of the company. It's not a uh, conflict of interest. But when I first started this podcast, when I was doing Teacher Career Crunch, I was working for Microsoft at the same time. And I ended up heading that threshold of it's not sustainable to do both. And it also just does not make sense. I have to pick a lane. Like I'm not doing either of these things well. See, and so that's the big problem. So guys, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. But I also traveled for them. For me, there's a level of excitement, but it was four times a year, maybe a a week-long trip. So I liked it because I liked seeing a new city. They usually put us up somewhere cool. But I agree. 
it would get old very quickly, even though, you know, Instagram highlight reels will tell you sitting at the beach with your laptop is amazing. And it's like, that's not what it looks like. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in like a sad hotel bar. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm in the middle of Buffalo. Like, where am I going? You know what I mean? Like, and then my wife's like, go sightseeing. I'm like, I'm not going to Niagara Falls by myself. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not taking a 40 minute Uber to sit and watch the falls and be like, and I'm not that person, as you know, online, like I'm never going to post and be like, blessed, like here I am. Like, that's not me. I, I'm not, I don't look like you said, it's more like I'm sitting in my hotel watching sports center and I'm like, this is, the, this is the life. Like I go buy a cheeseburger and eat on my bed. I'm like, yeah, I'm living, you know, because it's like social media is fake anyway, whatever. My b- biggest flex was like, I'm not traveling with my husband. That means that I get this really big bed and then I just am a sad lady who leaves half of the suitcase on one side of the bed and never takes it off. Well, that's my wife. She's always like, have fun traveling. Like, it must be nice. Then she's like, I miss you. Like, come home. It's boring. like Because she's always like, can't wait to have the house to myself when the kids are in camp. And then she's like, no, it's actually kind of boring when you're not here. I'm like, yeah, like I'm the fun of the house. I get it. <laughs> I'm the fun one. <laughs> but uh, I do agree with you. Like when you have like, one foot in both doors, you're never like fully giving it your all. Like I'm definitely not the teacher I once was. I'm not the teacher, you know, I was years ago where I was like so into it and teaching was my life and my identity. And I'm also not the comedian that I know I can be because I have all, like sometimes I think like if I didn't go to work every day and I had, so like just to put into perspective this morning, I went and filmed at the baseball stadium for three hours, the promo videos, and I had a blast. And I was like, wow, I could also make videos, period, just being in here, like fun videos. And I could make content and I can make promo videos for other things. Oh, wait, I can't. I have a full-time job. So like, this was like a special circumstance, but like, that's, you know, like tomorrow my kids don't have camp. So that's that. Like, we're just back to normal life. And I just think if I had time to myself, I would be able to just full on make my comedy great, make my promos great, make my content great, but... And that's a big discussion in like entrepreneur space, founder space of people who are using their full-time job to fund whatever their passion project or side hustle is. And then they have to look at, at what point does it make sense to take that leap? And... I'm rooting for you to do whatever is best for you and your family. I feel like I could talk to you nonstop. And this has been just such a fun conversation. But where can people who are listening find you to follow you? Instagram, TikTok, whatever social media is your favorite. Instagram is where I do the most. I'm not a fan of TikTok. I mean, I'm on it like because, you know, we have to be. But uh, Instagram is where you can find me at StandUpRandazzo. Like stand up comedy and my last name is Randazzo. So stand up Randazzo. I'm working on just changing it to my real name, Gaspar Randazzo. But unfortunately, there's someone else who has it and they haven't been active on Instagram since like 1999. So I can't get in touch with them. Oh, no. Well, we will link it in today's show notes, too, to make it easier for other people to find you. Thank you so much, Gasper, for being here. It was just such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. I 
want to give a huge thank you to Gasper for coming on and sharing with this audience. And as you know, we batched these episodes far in advance. So as this is actually airing, you should go check out his Instagram account so that you can see if he has any upcoming shows in your potential area or if he's doing anything that you want to check out. So thank you so much for being a listener to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast, and we'll see you on the very next episode.